0: You ever wanted God just to tell you what it is you want to know? Like break it down in a bullet point memo style. Just give me the, the 411, just the the snapshot of the information in a time saving manner. And then kind of just waited and waited and wondered why it didn't happen. I find it very interesting in my own life that one of the signs of maturity that I hold very well in trying to lead others or, or, or parenting or any of these other options is when they get to the point of listening. Like, I know if, if someone is going to listen to and take time to, to hear and listen to what I've got to say And then they begin applying it and, and you're seeing that they learn to listen, that you begin chalking that up. Okay. That is a place of growth. And then whenever they don't or, or they just like, I I don't have time for that. Just, just give me the quick fix, the quick moment. I'm like, but that's not where maturity is going to be found. And yet, even though I mark that as, as something that I try to teach others to when I parent or, or, or whatever, I find that the same problem resides in me i sometimes come to god and i'm like god i I really don't have time to listen to you today or really to to belabor this and and the seriousness of my situation the the seriousness of my circumstance seems like i don't have the time because god you know how busy i am can you just give me the quick information in just the quickest way and what i'm really saying in that moment is i recognize that you have authority and you're god and all that but i don't need to listen and take time for you i'm not taking serious that moment and then when i find that i find in myself there is an area where i am not maturing i am not growing as i need to grow when that is the case Because to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and for that to be to His glory from this day throughout eternity means I recognize that everything I do in word or deed, in listening and study and everything is meant to be giving God glory. And yet, this is one of the areas I find that so many disciples, so many churches struggle with. We're really easy and really eager to try to find a quick answer that if I'll just fill in the blank and check off my list, all right, I read and gave five minutes out of my day, okay, I prayed and I went through the list that's on the printed paper and the bulletin, and uh, I attended church this month, and, and I went and, and I sang some songs and I gave my check, then everything should be in order with my life. But that's not the case. When it comes to the fact that we tune out or we're so distracted that we don't listen, we're not just aiming to not to tune out, we just don't listen. We find that there's an area of growth that needs to be attended to in our life. And so today we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke. And when we look at the Gospel of Luke, we're going to look at a book that, that it's one of the four Gospels, but has some unique material in it. That is not found in the, in the other Gospels, like the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, we, we see that material. But today we're going to look at a, a passage that is captured in the book of Luke, it's captured in the book of Mark, it's captured in the book of Matthew, and yet so many times we can read it, and, and I'm put, picking this out, and feeling glad to pick this out, because it's so easy to say, I've heard this message before, I've heard this parable before, I've heard this story before, and so easily find ourselves, I don't really have to listen that well. Because I already know it. Let's dive in and see what God's Word would have for us. And would you stand in the honor of reading God's Word? In our culture, man, we stand for all kinds of things. And I think it's just a good practice. It doesn't make us any more holy or any more spiritual. But it does say, hey, God, this is, this is a posture I want to take when I'm reading Your Word. That I respect it. I want to listen to it. I want it to be applied to my life. That's why we stand week after week. We're going to be looking at the chapter eight. And right now as we read, we're going to look at just fifth uh, four through fifteen. Uh, if you're in your copy of God's Word, uh, I don't know what page that is, but if you're following along with our pew Bibles, that's page nine hundred and seventeen, and it will be on the screen as well. Here's what it says As a large ga- crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock, and when it grew up, it withered away, since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit. A hundred times what was sown. And as he said this, he called out, Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. When his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? So he said, The secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. To know... But to the rest, it is in parables, so that looking they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the Word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with the worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit but the seed in the good ground these are the ones who having heard the word with an honest and good heart hold on to it and by enduring produce fruit let's pray lord jesus we have read from your word it was a parable that you gave and you gave the explanation to it and it would be so easy as for us to take this familiar passage that Those who have grown up in church, we could easily just put it in the bank and and say, yeah, I've heard that and yet not have listened. And it would be very easy for those who are not familiar with it to say, it seems too out there, I can't get what it means. So Lord, I am praying today that those who have ears would hear and listen and that you would provide the ability for our hearts to receive what you have planted for it to grow in jesus name amen you may be seated so we're looking at the book of luke a gospel one of the four gospels found in the new testament it is the third book listed in the new testament when you're going through it and and when you get to it if, if you've read started reading through the new testament you may find yourself going through matthew and you're like oh, okay cool there's a bunch of narratives here there's a bunch of preaching here there's a bunch of parables here you see the sermon on the mount you see the miracles you see the resurrection and you're like okay and you get to the next book and you get to mark and you're like wow this is quick fast going back and forth there's no parables there's a few messages but there's a lot of miracles and you may say but i think i read those in the book of matthew and then you get to the book of luke and you're like okay this seems very familiar why is it that there's three four books of the bible and they keep saying some of the same things Well, they're not saying exactly the same things. These are eyewitness accounts, investigative reporting that was going on in that day to record the history of what's going on. But it's very important for us to see that all of the Bible is useful to us, is profitable to us. All of it is the Word of God. And just because we may have read something in one gospel does not mean it's not important when it's reported in another. But we can see a lot of meaning that's given here. The book of Luke, he gives a lot of time to what was happening in Jesus' early life, what was happening in Jesus' teaching life. There are more parables in the book of Luke than any other book of the Gospels, uh, um, of the New Testament. And and it focuses in on, on what these mean. It shows us how Jesus was a person that carried these messages to people of all walks of life all cultures people that were not exactly like him how he showed his kindness and served them it tells us a little bit more about some of the activities that happened after jesus resurrection but here luke captures one of the times that jesus told this parable now here's the thing when you understand sometimes we're looking and saying it seems like jesus told this parable here in this book and he told this parable there in another book well here's the thing jesus would go from village to village and village and sometimes the message he carried was the same message he preached in another village. It didn't mean it was any less or more holy. It just meant that it became routine for them to hear the words over and over and over again to these lessons that were very applicable. And this one in particular. Because this one, while many of the other parables had just the story and the circumstance where Jesus told the story, the parable of the sower, Jesus takes time and we see the explanation spelled out completely. Showing us the meaning and showing us the application. But when we get here, we still need to say, what is it that I need to learn? What is it I need to hear as I'm looking at this parable, as I'm looking at this chapter of the book of Luke? Well, here in particular, we see Jesus talking about the receptivity that people have to his word there's something unique about how we're defined by our receptivity to god's word i mean have you ever thought about that that your relationship with jesus is defined by your receptivity to jesus words it's defined by it now you may say well that doesn't seem fair i thought my relationship with jesus was defined about that time when I went to Vacation Bible School and and the, the, the pastor or the teacher or, or the leader shared with me the Gospel and, and I prayed and, and received and believed in Jesus and in my relationship with Jesus is defined by that, right? No, your position with Jesus is, is defined by that moment whenever you received Him by faith. That is true. Your salvation is defined there. But your relationship, your ongoing walk with Jesus is absolutely defined more than anything else By your receptivity to His Word. You may say, how do you know that? Well, I can tell you that there are believers that are very active in a lot of things they do. They serve well. They give faithfully. They pray uh, with regularity. But yet struggle so much because they don't have adequate time spending in God's Word. And yet there are believers that may not have all those other things going for them. But they're spending time in God's words that you can see an ongoing growth that is a result of spending time in God's, in, in God's Word. You see, we sometimes think that I've got to take all the expected and very good applications of the faith and try to get all of them at perfection all at once. When what God's Word has said is it is the Word that when it's planted, and it's planted in good soil, that that is what produces all the other fruit. That it's not all these other things, it's the Word being planted in good soil. So that's why we have to go back and say, this is the mark of what grows a disciple. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking about the faith, he, he said this, He said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Now, whenever he was talking about this, he was telling the people that this is how we receive salvation, is when the Word of Christ comes to us and we hear it and we receive it, and that births faith in us. So wouldn't it make sense for us to say, that which births faith in us, hearing God's Word first and foremost should take precedent over everything else in our life it should make sense to us that that's what started it it's what will sustain it that we hear the lord and we spend time with him so what are some lessons that we can learn right here in the book of luke about our receptivity to god's word and i know you may be thinking pastor you seem to be talking a lot about spending time in god's word in this whole growing up series Yes, yes I am. Because everything will bring us back to this moment. Because this is what Jesus has said. It's that receptivity that defines our relationship with Him. So what does it tell us? First, it tells us that we need to be a hearer of God's Word. We need to be a hearer. Jesus said, let everyone who has ears hear listen that it is his goal for everyone that has ears to be able to hear that's good news for us that's really good news for us because it means that god is not withholding the message of his grace he expects it to be shared now the condition of the heart will determine of whether it's hardened and and available to hear but it's meant to be shared and the good news is, is that's what's exactly going on in this moment. When you read the beginning of, of chapter 8, it says he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom. And the twelve were with him. And also some women had been with him. Some of these were healed of their evil spirits and sicknesses. Some of these were people of, of great status. Some of these served in great homes. And they were supporting them from their possessions. They were supporting the apostles. They were supporting Jesus. Jesus who had nowhere to lay his head. Nowhere that he called his own physical home. But yet he carried the message. And so here's a lesson we need to learn. If we're going to be a hearer of God's word, we need to understand this. Those who hear the word must also share the word. If it is Jesus' desire that everyone who has ears to hear and listen, those who have first heard should also be those who first speak. And say, I want to carry you back to what God's Word has said. It has changed my life. We must also see that God calls everyone to hear the Word. Think about it. All the categories, as we would label them, of mankind are put in these par- this parable of the four souls, soils souls that could be if you heard souls that could be well too but in that parable those who god has spoken the message to and yet it is trampled down and taken away by the enemy lost those who seem to hear the word but when the troubles of the flesh come against them it dissipates lost they want to believe but they want to follow the flesh some would say they're saved and maybe they are but it says it's going it goes away it withers and dies then there's those that, that are growing but everything else is choking it out the, the ways of this world the, the, the things that entice us the distractions it's choking the life that's meant to happen and then there's those that are planted faithfully and growing Four categories that really define all of the people we'll ever meet are there, and God has said that the sower, when he went out, he didn't say, "Oh, let me pick this back up that fell along the path. Oh, that fell among some rocks. Let me get that seed back and take it somewhere else that'll be good. Ah, oh, those weeds, ah, I don't want it there. Let me let me get this seed and this plant to somewhere." He allows it faithfully to fall everywhere. Why? Because the sower takes the seed which Jesus explains is the Word of God and it goes everywhere. God has called everyone to hear the Word. Now whether some receive it or not, that's a different question. But everyone is meant to hear it. Another lesson that we see is the more that we hear, the the more that we receive from it. The more that we hear from God's Word, the more that we receive from it. You see, we are meant to Take what we have. And and it be such a declaration of our life that it makes a difference around us. That it defines who we are. That it changes. That it's not concealed. The rest of chapter 8 explains what happens when the Word and, and the relationship with Jesus comes alive in the faith, in the life of a believer. That they become a light that is meant to be displayed. And it says those that, that take that word. It says we take care how you listen. Verse 18. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. When we receive it and it's planted and it's faithful, it, it, it provides more and blessing and, and, and life and vitality. But when we take it and hide it, even that withers. It begins defining our relationships When we listen and trust and obey the Word, our loyalty is shifted. There's a really puzzling passage that comes in the book of Luke chapter 8. It's after Jesus is teaching this message. When He's at this home, some believe it's in Capernaum. And it says, His mother, this is verse 19, and His brothers came to Him, but they could not meet with Him because of the crowd. And He was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But He replied to them, My mother and brothers are those who hear and do the Word of God. Now we may look at that and say, that is one of the most puzzling and obscure passages in the Bible. And there are a variety of interpretations. But when it comes down to it, Jesus is saying, those who have trusted in the Word of the Lord, who have heard, who have listened, they are those who are in that relationship with me. They are those that I consider more important than my bloodline. And that strikes a nerve at us because we really value our bloodlines. And we should value those that God has said, this is your first mission. Yes. But be aware that your loyalty to the Lord is, is above all. Is above all. It takes precedent. And when we spend time in the Word, we're going to understand, yes, family is important but jesus is the greatest that strikes a nerve i know it, it hits me hard myself but it, our loyalty begins being shifted when we spend time in god's word when we spend time in god's word we see what it does and it is it calms our fears Chapter 8 also has one of those famous passages where Jesus and His disciples, they're on this boat, they're on these waves going across the Sea of Galilee, this huge, huge lake, freshwater lake that's in the land of Israel. It takes a long time to cross it, especially when you're dependent on sails and manpower, not a motorboat. And sometimes when they're out there, because of where it sits in the mountains, these tremendous tremendous storms arise. And, and you may not think of a lake getting very rough, but we can tell even in our own area with the Great Lakes. There were parts this week where, if you were on Lake Michigan, they told you, don't go out on the water. It's too windy. It's too dangerous. And here these experienced disciples, they're, they're going across, but a, sea, a storm arises so much that even these experienced sailors, many of them experienced fishermen, are fearful of their life, and Jesus is asleep. And they wake Him up, and... Just the Word of Jesus alone. It calms the storms. And yet, whenever they're looking at Jesus, it says in verse 25, it says, They're fearful and amazed, asking one another, Who then is this? He commands even the waves and the winds, and they obey Him. We begin seeing that not even nature itself Not even the the fearful things that we, we are terrified of are outdone or overcome by the Word and the power that is found in Jesus. That's some peace there. And then we see Jesus taking His love, His care, His Word that holds power not only to calming nature, but to condemning the demonic, and to restoring the infirmed and sick. and You see two, three major miracles that happen in verses 26 through 56. Jesus going to the reason of the G- Gerasenes. I might not be saying that right. Gerasenes. Um, this Gentile area, this Jewish rabbi goes to this Gentile area and there's this man who's plagued by demons. Can you imagine that? Let I me mean, just... It's hard for us to wrap our head around. We sometimes bounce it off and say, well, this is a mental health issue. No, Jesus is making it clear. This is not some metaphor. This man is plagued by a legion of demons. He's oppressed by the darkest evil authorities, and yet the Word of God being spoken to him frees him. Frees him. The very words of Jesus, they hold that much power. When they are heard and responded to in faith. Whenever the word of Jesus is brought, people have hope. You see in verses 40 through 56, as Jesus goes to another village, once again, he's going from place to place. He's not staying in one spot. He wants those who have ears to hear to listen. And he goes about making sure his word is shared in various places. And as he gets to this one spot, he's pulled aside by this synagogue ruler named Jairus who says, my daughter, my daughter is dying. But somehow this synagogue ruler who has seen Jesus and and he's heard all kinds of opinions about Jesus, good, bad, and ugly, he says, he's my only hope. There's there's something comforting in the the fact that I can find Jesus, he come and help me. And so he goes to find Jesus says, just come. Jesus is on his way. And as he's going, there's this crowd that's pushing in. And then there's this other woman who has been bleeding for years. Bleeding. Hemorrhaging. And has suffered much at the hands of doctors. Not only has she spent so much money and been through so much turmoil trying to get healing, Being that she's had this condition, she's not been able to practice a faith of worship. She would be prevented from even getting anywhere near the temple. But there's so much hope about what she's heard about Jesus, about what's been proclaimed about Jesus, that that she says, I I don't even have to hear Him anymore. If I just get close to Him and touch His garment, I'll be healed. And she is. And she's set free. But then the words of Jesus are told her, go, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And then they come to this house where there's the daughter who has been sick. And now the words came that she's dead. Surely, that's it. There's nothing that can be done. Dead is dead, right? And yet the Word of Jesus has the power to give New life. Physically in this moment. We know this to be true spiritually. The Bible says that all of us had sinned and we were, we were dead in our trespasses. And yet God calls us to life. So when we see miracles of Lazarus, or we see miracles of raising of this daughter, we need to understand that the Word of Jesus has the power to bring life where there was nothing but death. This is why we must be a hearer of God's Word. Because there is so much power and freedom in it. And when we trust in the Word that has been given to us, our relationship with God, and that receptivity, it begins to grow and mature and flourish. But make no mistake, being just a hearer is not the main point. We must be a believer of God's Word. We must be not only a hearer, but a believer. The Bible makes clear that we cannot believe apart from God. That this act of belief, this act of faith is, is a gift of God's grace to us. Nothing can we account to our credit that we were good enough, we were smart enough, or doggone it, God loved us enough, that, that we can say, I did it on my own. That even faith itself is a gift of God. When Jesus is quoting, what do these parables mean? And, 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 and explaining it to his disciples as they're curious. Why do you talk like this? Why, why are your stories like this, Jesus? Jesus quotes from the book of Isaiah chapter six. Now, I love Isaiah chapter six. I think it's incredible. Verses one through eight. In the year that King Uzziah died, I found myself amongst the temple, and I saw the glory of the Lord, and He filled the temple. And there were angels, cherubim, all around Him, and they were crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when their voices spoke, the temple threshold shook. Awesome, right? And then I said, woe is me, this is the prophet Isaiah, for I am a man of of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And there was a cherubim who went down to the altar and scooped up one of the coals and, and touched my lips. He says, behold, this has made you clean. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And I said, here I am, send me. You may have heard that passage before. You may have heard that teaching before about Isaiah's calling. But then it comes to verse 9. And we, many sermons cut off on this, this point. Because the Bible does command Isaiah to go and to faithfully preach that which he calls Isaiah to preach. But he makes the warning that he will go and there will be people that though they see, though they look, they will not see. Though they hear, they may not understand, and this is a part of my purpose. We don't like that. That strikes too hard at the core because we feel like I've got to do something, I've got to accomplish something, or that why would God limit? Because God wants to make it clear that every act of His grace is just that. it's an act of His grace. It's not anything that we were, could ever do apart from us, I mean, apart from His good to us. And yet because of his love to us, because of his word being proclaimed to us and our hearts being torn open and pierced and awakened to what God has done, there's a life that's born. There's a faith that's given and we are saved. And yet when we do not believe, it's still a sin because the word has been spoken yet we have not heard the Bible gives us this warning that we must be a believer in God's Word and we also must not reject it. How do I know that? If you look at verses 34-39 in, in the book of Luke chapter 8, there was this account, once again, of Jesus going to the region of the Gerasenes and casting out these demons. And here's the thing. There were witnesses to this moment. They saw God's power on display. It says, when the men who tended them saw what had happened, they ran off and reported it to the town in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man the demons, found the man the demons had departed from sitting at Jesus' feet and dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Meanwhile, the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon-possessed man was delivered. The eyewitnesses. Then all the people of the garrison region asked Him, Jesus, to leave them because they were gripped by great fear. And so getting in the boat, He returned. Here's the thing when we focus more on our fear of the unknown and our fear of what Jesus may call us to, we will find ourselves not receptive, we'll find ourselves rejecting what God has said and pushing the Lord away. When we do that, we're saying, I'd rather stay in my belief than follow what you say to We must be careful as a church, and as a people, not to do this. We must be careful to share the Word faithfully and help people understand that God is greater than our fears. And even our faith in Him. It can make us well. It can overcome our fear. We must understand that we've got to listen and be hearers of God's Word and be a believer of God's Word. And lastly, we must be a doer of God's Word. (sighs) Hearing is a part that needs to be alive in our life. Believing is absolutely there. But doing is the activity where we say, I recognize that faith without works is dead. Now I want to be clear here. The Bible does not say works equals faith and saves you. But the Bible does make clear that faith should overflow in works. That what is made real by the gift and grace of God will will move us towards good works. Good works could never save us, but we are saved so that we will do good works. We will be those who hear, believe, and do. You see, you and I, will not do, at least with correct motives, we just won't, what God has spoken if we do not first hear it and believe it. We may find ourselves, yeah, I I go to church, and yeah, I I give, and yeah, I do these things. And these are all good things. But they will never be done with the right motives unless they're done out of an act of, I've heard God's Word, I have believed, and that's why I do. be attempting something on our own. And we need to understand that the world does not know fully what God has spoken. Why is a lost world lost? Well, because the Word that has gone out and proclaimed by faithful followers of Jesus is sometimes trampled and taken away by the enemy, is sometimes choked by the... I mean, withered by the flesh... And sometimes choked by the cares of this world. That is true. But there is a part of the world that has never heard what God has spoken. Because the people who say they hear and say they believe. Have yet not done the work of saying go and make disciples. We've only listened in part. And it is the goal of the church to make this known. The book of Ephesians says that was that the church is God's manifest, His, His proven and provided instrument to make known God's message. That we would be those who know God's voice and follow Him in all that He has done and said. Now you may say, Pastor, okay, I get it. I need to be a hearer. And that hearing needs to lead to belief. And that belief needs to lead to action. That hearing the word of the Lord is where faith comes from. It bursts that belief. But it must not be stopped at that belief. And I cannot grow stagnant. I must be a person that does what God has said. But, I, but you may be sitting there and saying, I honestly find it difficult. To be a receptive listener. When I when I open this, I feel like I'm just the person with the holding it on my head, trying to hear, and all I'm hearing is. And and I understand that frustration of wanting to actually know what it says. Here's the problem. I think some of us will find ourselves doing well what we do usually at New Year's. What do you do at New Year's? Resolutions. And you know what happens generally with resolutions? We try to cram a lot of well-intentioned activities all in the first three weeks of January. So much that we burn ourselves out in the activity and we do not set a pattern of pacing ourselves for the healthy rhythms of life. These may be good details, but because we're trying to cram so much, we're not really having the gain that we need so what is a way to have a, a receptive conversation in learning the voice of the lord well one of the things that we do in our d groups is we have what's called the here model um it, it, there's a little sample of it in your notes on in the bulletin and uh you can look at that and there's also uh, some paperwork out on the tables if you didn't get that or didn't receive it in your bible study class this morning your connection group but basically it takes time to pace yourself and say instead of trying to cram as much reading and information as i can all at once i pace myself to say god i want to have an ongoing relationship with you i want to have an ongoing ear to listen to you and so help me pace myself and not get all the information all at one time imagine if you wanted to hear everything about your grandparent's story and they try to tell everything that happened in their life and flooded flooded to you all within an hour amount of time. How much of that would you absolutely capture? How much of that would you absolutely benefit from? You might remember a few highlights that were like, wow, that was funny, wow, that was wild, wow, that was sad. But for the most part, you're not going to remember everything. You're not going to be able to hold on to it. But as an ongoing sitting down at the table and listening over time, you're going to be able to remember those moments that are highlighted and be able to carry those with you. The disciples, the Holy Spirit brought these words back to their heart, but they also walked with Jesus for three and a half years, hearing Him tell over these parables, preach these messages, show love ongoing to people. And because of it, they were able to hear and nurture and grow and mature. Here's a model for you when it just comes to opening this up. And taking the time to listen. One, set a pattern of how much you're going to read in a day that is healthy. Not overdoing it, not underdoing it. Don't just pop it open. Say, alright, here's the verse. Let's see. Uh, I've got to read the Bible. Oh, let me choose. Oh, okay. Um, How about... Whew. Hosea. Go and marry a woman of adultery. Whoa! What is the Lord telling you to do? That ain't it. And that's the polite way. That's the polite fair phrase of Hosea, by the way. Take time. If you need help finding a, a pattern, get it. I can help you with that. We can help you. We want to help you as a church. But then spend time saying, okay, highlight what you're reading. The passage of Scripture where you're at. Keep a record of it. And then give a little Description. And then start looking for the explanation of why it was written and what was originally going on and who it was to. These questions we talk about with the Bible. You may say, well, I don't know how to find that. Well, we want to help you provide the tools. I can show you study Bibles that, if if you want to purchase. I can show you what those look like that are great tools. And then begin looking after you've highlighted and spent time reading and seeing the explanation. Then begin asking the question and maybe writing it down. How can this help me? What does it mean in my life today based on what I'm going through? How does that meaning of what God had intended to be shape me? And then spend time honest with prayer. Say, God, you've given me the graceful opportunity to listen to your voice today. How awesome is that? That I am privileged to have the voice and the word of the Lord given to me in my language. Now help me respond to it. Help this not be fruitless. But let me have ears to hear and listen and then go and do. Help me be someone who hears, believes, and does. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today we've talked about an act of your grace. And I can't think of a greater act of your grace than what you did to restore us to you. That You, a holy God, would see the, the sinfulness of man and yet send Yourself to go to the cross to die in our place. And that You have made this good news known to us so that we in faith could be awakened and respond to Your grace. We have our eternity changed and our life transformed. That is the news, the message that we can hear and know believe and respond to that we call the Gospel. But God, I'm thankful also that while that is the greatest of all good news, You have also not left us alone. You've said that You will be with us always. And in being with us, Lord, help us hear Your Word. Help us believe in what You have said. Help us do what You have commanded. So that others can hear and believe and live out of the gospel that is made known through your people who have listened to your voice and followed. Jesus, have your way in this time. Help us be more receptive in our relationship with you by hearing your voice in Jesus' name. Amen.